0: If you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 6 is where we'll be today. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. hear the word of God. He went away from there, as Jesus, and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brothers and his brother James and Joes and uh, Judas and Simon and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, the prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went about among the villages teaching. This is the reading of Almighty God's word. You may be seated. It's quite a thing, isn't it? He marveled. If you can marvel Jesus, that's, that's quite a feat. He marveled because of their unbelief. And that's primarily what I'd like to talk to you about this morning. This, this whole condition of, of faith and no faith or unbelief. Believing in Christ or not believing in Christ. As you, you know, we've been going through the gospel of Mark here for several days, uh, several weekends now, Lord's days. We've encountered this many times. And we've just come off a spell of, of a several miracles of Christ, which demonstrate an amazing thing, right? And yet now we come back to a scenario and a location and a demonstration of unbelievable astonishing unbelief and so there's very much a contrast here between these two things in the text and Jesus doesn't he doesn't go here back uh, to Nazareth the text says his hometown but that's, that's where he's from he goes back to Nazareth and just like the miracles that he uh, embarked upon this last few miracles when he he crossed the Sea of Galilee and they came back. and None of this is by accident, you understand. These are all intentional acts of the Lord. He's not just going home to see mom and pop. You know, he's not. He's not going home to reminisce on vacation. He's doing ministry. The ministry... He has been called to. He is preaching and teaching. You understand. And he goes back to Nazareth. And he takes his disciples with him. And he's teaching a very important lesson here. The distinction between faith and unbelief. And his disciples need to get this very clear in their heads. As we do. And he goes back to this it's his hometown. And if you remember, there's a synagogue there. And you don't just go in and start teaching at the synagogue. You have to be invited by the rulers of the synagogue. And it's, it's very interesting. We don't know. Maybe this is just how far out of the way Nazareth is. But the last time Jesus was in a synagogue, the Pharisees were colluding on how to kill him. So it's very interesting that he's now invited to teach at this synagogue. Here, come teach the word of God to us. And as usual, he starts teaching. And just as the first time he ever taught in the synagogue, the people are astonished. They're amazed. They're they're beside themselves. They're overwhelmed. By his teaching. That's what the word means. And it's not just a one time thing. The the verb here is a continuous action, it's a continuous event. They are overwhelmed, astonished by what they are hearing. And then you, you see it in the texts. You see it in texts. All these questions. But they're the wrong kind of questions, aren't they? You know, we noted last time early on, how early on in Jesus' ministry, people were asking, what is this teaching? What is this stuff this man has? He does. What is it? How can we get some of it? And then, with these last few miracles that we have seen in the texts, the question has been steadily changing, you understand. To who is this man? Who is this man? But now it goes back to his hometown, and the questions revert back to this old thinking. Read it. What do they say? Where did this man get these things? It's not who is this? Where, where's this stuff coming from? Where did he get these things? What is this, this special secret wisdom given to him? How's he doing all this stuff? They don't care who he is. You can tell by their questions. They just want to know where he get this, where he got this stuff. Now, it reminds you very much of Simon the Sorcerer. When Paul was preaching, you get, or Peter, and he asked, "Yes, to come up to him, hey, how much money do I have to pay you? You, you give me some of that stuff you're doing. Do you remember Peter's response? It wasn't very pleasant. They were asking the wrong question. What is this stuff? Instead of who is this? You see, they they thought they knew him. They felt pretty confident in themselves and their own opinion of Jesus. They They thought they knew him. They just didn't know where he got this stuff from. He's a local boy, you understand. He grew up there around those people. He had lived there for nearly 30 years of his life. 30 years, that's a long time. Thinking, you know no man, by 30 years, right? He had followed his father, Joseph, into carpentry. They knew, they thought they knew him. We've known him for 30 years and now he's going around. Where would he get all this stuff from? He wasn't doing it when he was here. They knew the the controversy that's been going on around him. Even the word of what Jesus had been doing had reached as far out as Nazareth. They heard about these things. At one point his family had heard about him in Nazareth and they all got together, the mother, the brothers, and the sisters. And they came to get Jesus, if you recall, because they thought that like, he'd lost his mind. Do you remember that? They knew of that controversy. They even knew of the controversy kind of surrounding his birth. You see that come out in the text too. This isn't the carpenter, the son of Joseph. It's rather derogatory. They say it's the carpenter, the son of Mary. Because after all, oh, everybody knew the scuttlebug about that. How does she become pregnant? They knew this confrontation between his mother and his brother and his sisters. When they came to Galilee to bring him home. They thought thought he'd lost his mind. This is just before the scribes from Jerusalem. The big dog got involved. They come to Galilee. to lay down this proclamation that Jesus was doing all this stuff that he did by the power of Satan. It's. Mother and his brothers and his sisters are worse fears to kind of come to fruition with that. This was really serious mess that Jesus was getting himself into. And they come there. you remember? in chapter three, you remember what Jesus said when they came. You sure bet the people at Nazareth did. You can bet that story was told again and again among the, the local community there. How they came to get Jesus and spare him and to save him from all this danger and conflict. And what that boy said to his mom. when Jesus stood up at the crowd and said, Who are are my mother and my brothers. Here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of God he is my brother and my sister and my mother. And Jesus' mom and his brothers and his sisters went home without Jesus back to Nazareth. They remembered that. You could bet that was the talk of the little town. Can you believe that, Jesus? This air of self-righteousness setting in among them. Indignation. They were very proud. They were in the right. That boy was in the wrong. Treated his mother that way. They got their feelings hurt. Not because Jesus, but because of themselves their own sin. Their failure to understand who Jesus was. Their failure to follow the commandments of God. They thought they knew God. They thought they knew Jesus. And were confronted with him face to face in person. They were offended. How dare he? You come to Nazareth, you want to teach? Step right up. I've got some questions for you, boy. And the prophecy, as Isaiah tells us, it's is fulfilled. He grew up before them like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. That's the prophecy of Isaiah about Jesus Christ. And we see it living out here in the New Testament. We see it. And we see the parables, the earlier parables of Jesus in this instance beginning to come to light too. We see it when he says, Pay attention to what you hear. They heard the word that he preached. They heard the Bible. They heard the word of God. and astonished them. They didn't know where this stuff even come from. That they were hearing. Yet it's the word of God being preached by the word of God in the flesh himself. They didn't recognize it. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus said, For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. We're seeing this, in this also, the shadow of the cross. We see it in Jesus' own lamentation, weeping. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it. How often I would have gathered you, your children, together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you would not have it. You know what Jesus is talking about now when he speaks of a prophet having no honor among his, in his hometown, among his relatives and his family. They thought they knew him. What a difference. What a difference faith makes. Right. And just before this, people many people didn't know Jesus. They had heard about him. They flocked to him. The crowds got so bustled around him that he couldn't couldn't even eat at times. He had to stand in a boat out on the lake to keep from being crushed by them. They didn't know him. They heard about him. difference faith makes they heard about him and they they needed him they believed he could do something for them and they came to him he stilled the winds and the waves just with a word and they were terrified the disciples were that's when the question came. Who is this man? He'll legions of demons with a word. He heals diseases with a word. He raises the dead with a word. He makes the unclean clean with a word. Brings them from the darkness they are living in into His marvelous light. (laughs) It does it by faith, but don't misunderstand. None of these things create faith. Not a one of them. Faith comes from hearing and hearing to the words of Christ. That's where faith comes. It is is written, this is not of your own doing. It doesn't come from man. It's not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, a result of, not a result of works. So that no one may boast. And yet, as Luke tells us, these same things, the same thing in another way. He says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone should raise from the dead. If they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced that someone should rise from the dead. Faith comes through hearing and hearing to the words of Christ. No miracle ever produced faith in man. Miracles in scripture are for the express purpose of revealing Christ to those who already have Faith, Not to those who don't. Miracles are the express purpose of revealing Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ, you see, is a very personal matter. It's not a mechanical deal, it's not, a, not an automatic thing. You do this, you get this, you pull the lever, the slot side, you get some faith. That's not how it works. It's personal. It's a gift from God. Jesus can sense it, He can see it. He knows the power of it, even when someone sneaks up behind Him and touches His robe. Jesus can sense faith. He can sense that gift of God that his Father has given to people. And he can sense when it's not there also. What a difference faith makes. And it's a very personal thing. God the Father sent his Son to die For those who would believe. Those who have that faith. His son came for the express purpose of saving those who have faith from their sins. It's very personal. He was going to lay down his life for his sheep. He is not going to lose even one of them every one whom his father has given him, he's going to present them before his father. And yet the scripture tells us that here in Nazareth of his hometown, it says he could do no mighty work there. Except that he laid hands on a few sick people. And he healed them. Sick people. Not healthy people. You know, kind of like the the Pharisees, what he told them. When they're complaining about him eating with all those sinners and tax collectors. Hanging out with those bad people, those unclean people. Those people who knew they needed Jesus. Those people at the end of their end of their cells and no other way else to go. They're utterly helpless. They needed him. He came to save them. Not those who are well. Right? Who convinced that they, they knew him. They didn't need any of his stuff wherever he's getting it from and it's, it's so tragic because you think about how blessed this community of Nazareth was how blessed it would have been must have been to, to have Jesus grow up there far longer than we grew up here in our communities it seems like our kids get to be about 18 and leave Jesus lived there in Nazareth, that little town around those people, being their carpenter, for 30 some years. How blessed they must have been to live around a young man, a boy, an adult man who was sinless. How tragic it is to think, oh, it's no big deal. That's Jesus. What makes him so special? Wow. Didn't mean anything to him. In fact, they're kind of peeved. He's getting all this attention. The scripture says they were scandalized. Scandalism, that's the Greek word. Scandalized. That's where you get that word. Scandalized by him. Offended by him. They were shocked. And repelled. By him. And what he was teaching. And what he was preaching. And what he was doing. Very much like those scribes and Pharisees the last time he was in the synagogue teaching in Galilee. Do you remember what happened there? They watched him heal a man with a withered hand. Withered, it means it's all dried up. It didn't work. They watched him heal a man with a withered hand. And then they went out and plotted how they were going to put him to death. Because they thought they knew God. Those same scribes and Pharisees have said that Jesus does everything he's doing by the power of Satan. Because they know God. Never going to have any of this Jesus stuff, and all Jesus could do was marvel at them. He marvelled at them for their unbelief, and he could do no mighty work there. Not because he's impotent in power. There's no faith. There's no point. What's the point of doing a miracle? He's not some God that does magic tricks or to amaze people. What's the point? There's no faith. Why, no, why do a miracle? They're not going to believe. They wouldn't believe in somebody raised from the dead. And after spending all that time, some 30 some plus years of his life, he marveled at their unbelief that's very tragic and so how does this how does this come over into our thinking it's quite applicable really very much so this parable still applies pay attention to what you hear with the measure you use it be measure to you the one who has more will be given, the one who, who does not have even what he has will be taken away. Faith interns to what you hear. Faith comes through hearing, hear through the words of Christ it is the gift of God, not of our own doing. It's the gift of God that no one should boast. We spend so much of our time thinking, I know Christ. I know it. I'm okay. I'm good with him. Maybe you're scandalized by him. I don't know. Hope not. Hope not. What do you think about him? We have no standard of judging God. Has given us his word. He's given us his son who has spoken this very word to us all. We have no grounds to judge it, to argue with it, to wrangle with it, no right to manipulate it. It's God's word. We're not to judge it. We're to believe it. And let it judge us. Let it change us, conform us to its standard. The nerve of thinking that we we would come and try to squeeze God into our mold. Because we know. Or we find it offensive. It's not for us to judge. It's for us to believe. And that's what Jesus preached. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, almighty God, we thank you again so much. Fear word in the scriptures. It's a very a solemn passage this morning. And we, we uh, reflect on it very solemnly as, as we've heard. And this is a, a tragedy. And uh, Lord, it puts fear, fear in our hearts. It can. We, we know we each still struggle with sin. And we struggle with some of these very thoughts and things in our own lives. We're very often fighting and wrestling with the old nature that we we have these these thoughts about Christ and these judgments of God. And Lord, we thank you for exhorting us, and admonishing us here to not be this way. But to know that even, even when we struggle so, Lord. It's not, it's not something that faith is not able to overcome. What a difference faith makes in all of these trials and struggles, tribulations. Father, we thank you. it's through faith your gospel comes. To repent and believe the gospel. That it's not us that saves us. It's Jesus Christ who saves us. It's all his merit. And it's entirely by grace. Not of our own doing and our own works. It bids us only believe. Believe. Have faith in Christ. And Father, even you even give what you command. And Lord, it's, it's so much comfort to the to the sinner who struggles. Father, we thank you and ask you to bless us. Bless us with this gospel. Bless us with this joy of faith in Christ. Give it, Lord. We desperately need it.